All right, church, and if you all would, you can go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 27 this morning. We've got two more weeks in Acts, so um, what I figured is, is we've got um, some folks in our church that are traveling and join vacation. If you notice, there's quite a few faces missing. Uh, we've got some who are sick, and we've got some who realize there's two more weeks in Acts, and they're like, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and wait till we're done. It's been a year and a half. Uh, we're, we're at the end, so um, I'll come back. And uh, we've, we're starting into an Old Testament book after that, uh, starting in August. Um, and I'll let you guys just wonder what that is for uh, at least one more week, and then we'll tell you all next week. But we got scripture journals ready to go, and uh, we're really pumped to, to dive into that. But as we can't continue here and, and really start to wrap up um, Acts, it's important to remember where we started. Acts is, is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but it's the continuation of everything that, that Jesus did in his earthly ministry and that he's now empowered his believers to do, and he's given the power by the outpouring of his Holy Spirit who now dwells inside of all those who believe. So when you read Acts, you're like amazed. It's like they thought they ended Jesus, but they didn't. There's signs and prophecy and miracles and healing, and everything is still happening, and even more, it's, it's, it's multiple. It's like a wildfire going forth that just cannot be stopped. And it's really exciting when you read Acts. But the important and practical application here today, church, is that you too are empowered to go and to proclaim the gospel to all the nations, starting here in this town and reaching the towns outside and the states around us and the nations around the world. And we can do that from where we are, especially today with social media. We can, we can use our Facebook presence to be a light in the world. And one of the darkest places I believe today in the world is on social media. I think there's a lot of darkness. I think it's, it's, it's uh, capturing the younger generation. And I'm kind of like on the edge of that, right? Like I remember my brother getting Facebook when he was going to Ohio State, and I was like, I want that. And it's like you had to have an EDU um, email. And I was like, oh, well, we can't get that. And then we started to Right, But the kids today, they're getting these, these social media accounts at a very young age. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but what I'm saying is, is the presence that's there and the kids' activity there means that we've got to engage and also be the counter, the, the antidote, right? Like we need to go in and preach the good news even on social media. So we have to go and to be a light in the darkness, wherever we go. And, and we read this, and it gets so exciting. And it's like, it's like reading about your favorite team winning a championship, right? And it's like, it's, it's wonderful. But the mission and the journey continues. God is not done. So our main point this morning as we look at this, this yet again, another trial for Paul, the main point is that God's promises stand true. I don't think that one will be on the, the screen, uh, but the, the three supporting will. God's promises stand true. Do we believe that this morning, church? Yes. Amen. Like, that should be a resounding yes. And let me tell you that I understand the struggle of believing the promises of God because we live with fallen men and women made in the image of God, and we see and experience these, these fallen and broken promises, empty words thrown out all the time from our political leaders to even church leaders, to our friends, to our family. I grew up in a, in a broken home where my parents are divorced now, and I can tell you, and I don't, if my parents listen, they'll, they'll know and they'll understand this, there were a lot of broken, empty promises that were handed down. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to be, so then you start to take all of our life experience and be like, well, God's got to be like every other person I've met, but he's not. His promises stand true, and we need to believe that. 
Paul shows us this in this text this morning. But before we go any further, church, let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, we come to you humbly this morning praying for, for your direction and your guidance from your word. As you've already spoken, we pray that you would illuminate these words into our hearts. God, that you would change our being, not simply outside, but inside in our hearts. And God, that our outside would be affected. That, that every good thing that we do would be to the glory of you, our God, and not in vain with selfish ambition. God, I pray that as we gather together around your word that we'd be sanctified and we'd exalt the name of Jesus. May you bless this time uh, as we gather together in your presence and in the presence of one another to worship you in spirit and in truth. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we think about the fact that God's promises stand true, we need to believe that. There's, there's three things we're seeing here in this text from um, Acts 27, verses 39 through 20, chapter 28, verse 10. That's three promises. The promise of safety, the promise of testimony, and the promise of gospel advancement. Okay? So three promises specifically that we see is, is playing out in this narrative, but also plays out in our life. So bear with me as we seek the application from this text into our life even today. First off, the promise of safety. God had already promised the safety of everybody on the ship, right? We see that. Everybody on the ship was going to remain safe, and it was indeed fulfilled here. Now, there was a point where they were going to... to jump out of that promise, they were going to take matters into their own hand, and then their safety was then not guaranteed, right? Chapter 27, verses 23 through 26 said this, for this very night there stood, this is Paul speaking to everybody, they were about to, to jump off and, and, and um, just do whatever they wanted to do, for this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sell with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. We, But we must run aground on some island. So Paul is, is telling us our main point here, that God's promises stand true. An angel appears to him and says, you all are going to be safe. You and everybody with you is going to be safe. And Paul says this to them, I know. So take heart, men. It means believe this. Listen up. You ignored me before when I warned you about going into Listen to this. This is from God. For I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. This is what was said. This is what, what was told to Paul. And, and things, they calmed down. And then things picked back up and we see them start to take it into their, their own hands again. But this promise stands true. It says there in, in verse 31 also, Paul had said to the centurion and the soldiers of chapter 27, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. So then they cut away the ropes from the ship's boat and let it go. So they're listening, they're heeding to the voice. And it's because Paul is teaching them the promises of God. And he's telling them the truth that it stands true. God's promises stand true. There's nothing, he's not going to waver, he's not going to forget, and he's not going to let it go. They are promised safety. Look here in verse 39 of chapter 27. It says, Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land. 
but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow uh, stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land, and the rest on the planks or on pieces of the ship, so that it was that all were brought safely to land. So they they hit this reef and it breaks apart a ship. And I've I've thought, like, I started reading this. I'm like, seriously? Like, is this this a thing? Like, I'm from West Virginia. I don't know much about sailboats, right? Like, like we, we don't have, we have what we call John boats, right? And you're like lucky that the motor gets you across the way, but like you're not going to run into any sand that's going to break your ship apart. But this is apparently super common. So from an article I found on the World Wide Web called, uh, titled Reef Wrecks, um, you can go look it up. It says this, in quote, um, it is likely that every year thousands of commercial and, pri- or, and private ships run aground on coral reefs worldwide. On the Great Barrier Reef in Australia alone, there have been around 1,600 known reef wrecks, end quote. I was amazed. Like, I, I read this and I was like, I wonder if it, like, still goes on today. And it's like talking about commercial liners. So, like, you imagine what they had back then. Like, this would be disastrous, right? And it makes you understand the context of what's really going on here. Like, it, the Titanic, right? Like, you have to start thinking really fast. And their immediate response was, uh, we're going to have to like kill these prisoners. Like, and then we're going to jump into the water and, and, and take off on our own. They'd already cut the boats away, right? But that, that was not the, the plan of God to let these men die. And the reason they did that wasn't like, oh, we hate these prisoners. This is our way out. If you were a soldier and in charge of uh, keeping watch over the prisoners and one escaped from you, At best, you get ridiculed and made fun of and dishonored, right? At worst, you lose your own head, right? So this was a big deal to them. They're like, hey, like, if we all just take off swimming and one of these guys is like Michael Phelps and beats us, like, we're in some trouble, right? Like, he may be a fast swimmer and we're going to lose our head. So this was the plan, but it was not the plan of God. Remember that they were promised what, church? Safety, yes. They were promised safety. They had already listened. Paul told him, he says, you can't leave the ship. This is the plan. This happens because a part of the plan and part of the promise was that they would be safe, but the ship would run aground. This is not a surprise. See, this is, this is not, um, there's something to note here, that it's not simply the safety uh, promise across the board in all situations for God's people, right? Like we read some of this sometimes in, in a small note, but important note to make because we don't have a guarantee of safety in all of our life, right? Some of you are like, maybe I started preaching this and you're like, oh, why do I feel like this isn't the case for my life? It's, it's not a guaranteed promise that in all of this life that you're going to be safe. Christians are martyrs. You look at the apostles and, and nearly all of them were martyrs. They lost their life for the sake of the gospel. You see, we talk about this a lot. Christians are, we are promised One thing we were promised, so you can guarantee it, that it's going to happen in different uh, forms, right? It comes in various forms. We will be persecuted. 2 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. 
For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And we, and we read in, in uh, various scriptures, all through the scriptures, really, that God's people face this. And it's in that, that moment that we, were, we are closely linked and related to the sufferings of Christ. And we do this with, with our family and ancestry, right? We, we look back at, at things that they did. And, and, and even Simon talked about uh, getting a Bible and, and getting to see from like 100 years ago family members who were of the same tradition, Followers of Christ passing down the gospel from generation to generation. And he looks up at that and he's excited. And we ought to even go back to the sufferings of Jesus and be excited that in those moments we are greatly linked to him because he tells us, he says, they don't hate you because of you, but because of me. So as long as you're not going out and being a jerk to people and you're sharing the gospel and preaching the truth and everything that the truth talks about and people persecute you in whatever various form it might show itself in. You are linked to Jesus. You see, church, when we become comforted in our desperate moments, we will become more certain of God's promises in all of our life. Like, in whatever moment or situation or trial that presents itself, whatever persecution faces us, when we remember these words where Paul is telling us that God had told him, my grace is sufficient for you, when we know those words in those moments, we will become more comfortable and content in the grace and promise of God than the comfort of our physical situation. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to like it, right? Like when, when someone despises you. Like it doesn't feel good, right? I wouldn't say I'm a people pleaser, but I'm like, I don't like to, to hurt people's feelings, right? But I'll say, like when it comes to the truth, I'll say it, and then I like, I go and weep and tell Aubrey, like, they don't like me. Like, I just, I don't like it. Like, it just feels weird knowing that there's people out there that don't like me, right? And it's fine. I got like blood family that doesn't like me, so whatever. We're getting over it. But we have to become comforted in this word that God's grace is sufficient for you. It helps us to understand his promise in those moments of trial and desperate situations. See, in this moment, it was their physical safety that was promised to them. And it happened. They were promised the, the physical guarantee of their life. As long as they stayed on the ship, they didn't try and take matters into their own hand, they were going to get there safely. Not only to those who belonged to God through faith, but also to those who rejected him by ignorance. There were people on that ship, and most of them, did not believe in the God of Israel. They didn't believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. They wanted nothing to do with Jesus Christ. But God granted them their safety. God was faithful to fulfill, church, what he said he was going to. And he was gracious to spare those who could care less. Psalm 50, verses 14 and 15 says, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and perform your vows to the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. See, theirs was the physical safety that was promised to them, but church, we in Christ Jesus are promised and guaranteed reconciliation for all of eternity with the Almighty God. I mean, no other safety should, should we even desire to be granted to us, right? Now, I, I get like being in those moments and God like 
please help me. And yes, pray for that. Lift up a, a voice to the Lord and lift up your, your problems to the Lord. But as far as where our eyes are set, it's on the cross of Christ in eternity with Him. Knowing that we have been delivered from the greatest travesty that could ever happen to man. That separation from God by our own depravity. And he entered into our life. He met us where we were, dead and breathless, and gave us life. And that safety may not be able to be seen now, but it can be praised now. It can be a sort of experienced now, and it can be longed for. We long for the day that Jesus comes back because we know that that's the deliverance we're waiting for. See, Christians, we've got this, this temporal understanding of like, hey, we've been saved. We, we feel the Spirit moving and convicting us through this life. But we know that there are promises that are still to come. Jesus is coming back. Judgment will happen. And those apart from Him will be raised to death. And those who are in Him and He in them will be raised to life, given their new glorified body. We must trust that God is going to deliver us indeed, church. It may not be from that situation, because a lot of our prayers and my prayer in a trial is, God, remove this from, like, just get me out of it. But God's teaching us something through our trials. God's using those moments and that affliction to display and leverage the gospel. Because that's what Paul does here in just a little bit. He uses this opportunity to share the gospel message. And he was even spared again by the centurion who we know is Julius, who was already spared Paul. He's already given him favor. When he got off the ship before, he let him go, not bound. He let him walk freely and be served by his friends. That's God leveraging the gospel. That's God fulfilling his promises. Church, know, however, that our deliverance here on this earth is not guaranteed, but God's plan will not be stopped. He's using us to advance the gospel, and he's using us to display the gospel in our life. We need to trust that God's promises stand True, And there is a promise of safety to those in Christ. There is. We know it. It's coming one day. And we also know that there's a promise of testimony for here and now. Point number two. There's a promise of testimony. For Paul, the testimony was that he was going to go to Rome and testify before Caesar everything that had happened. He was going to give his entire witness before Caesar his journey was not yet finished. So Paul, there was nothing that was going to stop this. Paul could have tried, tried to end it himself. But God had a plan. Acts 23.11 says, so you must testify also in Rome. Acts 27.24 says, and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You will stand before Caesar. See, church, living with trust in the promise had to have been difficult for him. Like, you know and I know in this life the gospel is good, it's sufficient, God's grace is sufficient, but when we go out and we're alone and the trial and everything, Satan seems to, to buffet, buffet, whatever, on your life in that moment, and you're just like, I don't know what to do. Like, I believe this promise, but it's getting more and more difficult. I, feel, I, I just feel like just suffocating. Like I'm just, I'm just claustrophobic at this point, and Satan's just all around me. And it's tough to remember and believe in those promises in those moments. And you would think that like Paul would be feeling that way. But he doesn't. Look at chapter 28, uh, verses 1 through 6. Now, he could have he felt that way a little bit, right? Like, we're not given every detail. But look at how he lives this out. It says, After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. 
The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. We're also not given Paul's response to this, but I can surely tell you, as Paul's already done in the scriptures, as he probably used that to point them to the, the gospel because he was called a god before and he like flipped out, right? Like, I'm, I'm not, right? Like, it's not about that. <laughs> He gets off this ship, right? And like you would think like you get back on like land. This is like me when I fly. Like if you all ever fly with me, like when I like when we hit the ground and like I can stand up again. Oh, I'm just like at peace, right? And then I imagine this moment like Paul like swims to shore. That maybe he was like on uh, a, a piece of uh, cargo and, and floating to the shore. These people are treating him with unusual kindness. And he's like, oh, finally, like we're, we're chill. And the snake warms up after having been cold, right? They, they like kind of just, they're not really active when it's cold. Like, you know how it goes. And it just fastens onto his hand. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this guy literally cannot get away from, from all the trouble. It's just Satan is buffeting, right? Like, this is, that was a great song because Paul literally can't even scrape creatures at this point. Like, of all the people, Paul picks up the pile of sticks that has a viper in it. And it attaches to his hand. This feels a little bit like West Virginia. There's some snake handling churches still down in West Virginia, right? Gary sent me some videos or some memes in the past, and like, are you from this part of West Virginia? He's, he's, he's kind of felt me out. We're not like that around here. We're not going to bring out any snakes. Uh, I told Nelson we would this week, but we did not. Um, and what they say, they see this happen, and look at their response. They see this. The native people saw the creature hanging from his hand. They said, no doubt this man is a murderer. So they immediately assume that this guy is getting justice, like justice is working itself out, literally. They say, though he's escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. You notice that's a capital J, and that's not a person. They personified justice itself. That justice, the world is working itself out. This shows you the depravity. These people don't know Jesus, right? Like some of you all have been bit by snakes, and it's not because you did anything wrong, except for maybe got too close to the snake because you all are crazy, right? Um, you don't mess with snakes. They don't mess with you. They think that the world is working itself out and that he's going to, this is justice. We're watching it. We get a little show. But he shakes the creature off and is unharmed. See, church, nothing was going to stop the word of the Lord that promised that Paul was going to go and to testify in Rome. Paul was promised that. And it wasn't because Paul needed to see Rome and its, its beautiful sights. It's because God was advancing his gospel. We'll get there in a minute. It's not, we're not to that point yet. But that's what God was setting it up for. Right? And in any of our trials, we can look at moments and people that are around us and, and see that there was a moment that we either took the opportunity to or we ignored the opportunity but God was setting it up that even in your trial, even though Satan was buffeting, that you were going to display the gospel. 
And that's what Paul is on his way to do, and there's nothing that's going to stop this church. Just as as the Lord had promised Paul that he would testify in Rome, he's commissioned us to go and to tell the world of this good news. He's promised that we would have a testimony, and we would go and share it, that the good news is real, that those who are separated from God can be reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus and faith in him. Jesus commissions his people in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Church, and there's not just a command there, right? Some of us, we get commands, and and we don't really want to do them. Uh, We become complacent, and we forget to do them, whatever it might be. But we've also been given the promise. The apostles get this promise shortly after receiving the commission. And in Acts 1.8, it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Church, they were commissioned, but also promised that this power would lead them to testify. Church, we today are to testify of the goodness of God. Amen? Is everybody with me there? This is something, this, this promise to Paul that he would testify in Rome is also something that we should not look past and say that was Paul's job. Paul was a missionary. No, you've been commissioned and empowered to share the gospel. And you've been sovereignly, we talk about this all the time, sovereignly placed at the address you live at and the town you live in to go and to preach the good news to all of creation, starting right here. It's so easy to become complacent. It's so easy to read Acts and think like, oh, these are, these are the giants of our faith. Yes, Paul is a giant of the faith. He's an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Don't look at that, though, and negate the mission and the empowerment that you have. The same power that lived and empowered Paul lives inside of you. That is the holy God, the Holy Spirit, living inside of you, empowering you for this mission. Not just tell, hey, go do it, but equipping you to do so. How are we doing that? Listen to this verse. It, hear, hear this verse this morning, and don't just call yourself a Christian. Think about, uh, if you did read uh, Simon's post uh, this past week, I, I love that you mentioned it, uh, Nelson, because it really stood out to me if we're talking about the same one, but just talking about, like, we can't just be stuck in the past of, of well, like, I was a believer as a kid, or my parents have faith. No, this has to be an active and personal faith within you, a burning fire within you. And listen to these words that Paul writes to the church of Corinth. Where he tells him, he says this, Therefore we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God has commissioned you as an ambassador. That carries some weight. That's like we've taken the weight off of being a Christian. But did you know if you're a Christian, a believer in Jesus, you were a disciple? That carries more weight. But then listen to what he says. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. You want to know how people are going to come to know him? It's going to be you and you and you and you and you. Everybody in here who's a believer going out and actively living that out. Proclaiming the goodness of God. And believing in the promise of gospel advancement. Point number three. As we go out and we testify of the gospel, we must believe that the gospel is advancing. Not just verbally, but actively. God is changing people's hearts 
by the words that proceed from your mouth. God is using that to penetrate not just their ears, but to go in and change their heart and their life forever. God is using you and you and you and you and you, not just to speak, but to speak life. And he's using that word to draw people to himself and save them. Church, when you go out, you may not see the fruit right away. You may never see the fruit in your life. But God is advancing his church through his church. And that is awesome. It, it helps me because there's some times where I just feel so lonely. I feel like I come in here on, on Sunday morning and the sound doesn't work. And all I've been dealing with, it, with that week is like pests. And, and I can't like just catch up on anything in my life. And I'm like, man, I, I just don't see any of the fruit. But I'm reminded of the promise through God's word that he's advancing the gospel and his kingdom through his people. And it makes me excited that he's using us to advance the kingdom. It's so easy to, to look at like the Pauls and the Peters and, and even uh, we, we look at uh, all kinds of people. You look at like Doug Wilson or maybe you listen to Matt Chandler or Francis Chan and, and you've looked at all these people. I can never be like them. Absolutely you can because all that is good in them is the same God that lives in you. And he's using them and they're being obedient and heeding to the voice of God to go and to speak the word of God. Now it looks different. Some of us have more or less time some of us have more or less passion in different areas of life, but we need together the church to go and advance the kingdom by believing that the promises of God stand true. We believe that. We teach that. That there's this promise of safety, deliverance, right? That there's this promise of testimony, that we would go in to testify, and that God would use that to advance his kingdom. Let's finish this passage here. Verses 7 through 10. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysenteria. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They, were honored, they honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. We read of these miracles in Acts and church. We, we see them even today, right, in different forms and different levels, right? But we must be reminded when reading this what the intention of these healings and miracles were for. It was the gospel on display. They were seeing physical calamities be healed, ailments be, be met, needs be met. And it was to point them that those who are in Christ on the last day will be healed and given a glorified body and raised in newness of life, officially. We are given that new life in Christ Jesus, and these miracles pointed to that. Matthew 24, 14. Says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Church, the gospel is not something that should simply be preached, like should be. No, it is preached, and it will be preached, and it says there in Matthew 24 14, to all the nations. That means all the nations are going to hear the gospel. So you can lay your head down knowing that our missionaries are hard at work, and God is using that to advance his kingdom. 
Gospel advancement is happening here this morning in our church and the churches in the community that are faithfully preaching the gospel and all around the globe to those who are preaching the gospel. It's advancing. But not only that, it is through the proclamation of the word that people are being drawn by the Spirit to Christ. Romans 10, we look at verse 9. It says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, died on the cross, and that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. But then it goes on. It says, how are they to hear unless someone speaks? And how are we to speak unless they are sent, right? So each and every Sunday, we try and commission you with a, a benediction to say, go and, and honor God and, and grace from God to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go put Jesus in the perspective. What we mean with that, if you want to unpack that, that means to go and to live according to the promise, knowing that God is redeeming and delivering people. He's redeeming them to himself, delivering them from despair, and using them to proclaim the gospel and advancing his kingdom while doing so. And nothing can prevail against us. Matthew 16, 18, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We believe in the promises of God, and we know that they stand true. But we forget verses like that when we're out and preaching the gospel. They may prevail against, the people may prevail against you and, and, and uh, try and attack you with words and slander. But guess what? Nothing's going to stop God and his church. They can stop me by killing me, but they will not win the war. They only lead me to my deliverance forever if they take my life, but they will not end the gospel. The gospel will advance and people will be saved. Now, I believe in a great tribulation. Like, I don't, I don't believe that everything's just getting better. So I believe that we're seeing the gospel advance, and we see this waging war for people's souls, and it's just clashing and clashing and clashing until the day Jesus comes back. But I know for a fact that God is advancing the gospel through his church. So church, we believe and proclaim the gospel, that we know for a fact that nothing can stop, twist, or thwart God's plan to save sinners. See, God has used this journey, this entire journey, and Acts, and also the history of our church, in a short five years. He's used us, and every piece of the puzzle, to advance his message of salvation to the nations. Literally, going and reaching the pinnacle of Rome for Paul was like the cultural epicenter. Going to Rome, where, where Paul was going to Rome, the gospel was going to go to the nations. Uh, ben, you can go ahead and come back up. I want to end here. Um, I went to, um, it was a conference with the North American Mission Board, and one of the things, they had a, a big focus on Atlanta for a little while. And they told us, I was like, is Atlanta like that cool? And what they said was, Atlanta was like this epicenter of all the nations being represented in one city. It's a unique and very diverse place. So what they saw was if they penetrated the darkness of Atlanta, they could then reach the nations because people were coming over from all kinds of different nations and going back home. They were there for business. But if they could reach them and penetrate with the gospel, they would literally reach the nations. And because of Paul's journey to Rome, church, we've been blessed. Because of your journey here this morning, Medina will be blessed if you indeed go out living according to the promise, knowing that it stands true, and preach the gospel. We may not sound as good as Paul, do as much in our life as Paul did, but indeed Christ is displaying his power and our weakness to draw sinners to himself. Proclaim 
the Word of God. Church, if you all go ahead and stand. I want to end here. We believe that the promises of God stand true. We believe it. We say it. But what we do out there, out there, and wherever we go, even on vacation, that's not a vacation from your faith. When you go up to, to Cleveland for date night, right, or hang out with your friends, it's not a vacation or escape from spiritual reality that you are still in Christ Jesus and him and you. How are we living according to those promises? You see, understanding and believing that God and his grace and his word is sufficient will lead you to seek nowhere else for what the world calls truth. Because we know that this is the truth. And what we do out there will show the world whether or not we really believe it. We go out and we proclaim it. We go out and we share in it. In our afflictions, when it seems as though Satan is, is buffeting against our soul and against the mission of God, we believe in the promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Isn't that good news to us? And believing that will lead you in confidence and trust and will itself be a testimony to the world. If you don't know Christ, let me tell you of this, this truth that stands true today and forevermore and will one day come to fruition in its fullness. That we are all born sinners, every one of us, children of wrath by our nature. And by the grace of God, he sent his son to go to the cross and atone for the sins of his people, that those who repent and believe will be saved, delivered. We believe that. And we experience trial and despair in this world, even as Christians, but we have a hope that cannot be shaken, an eternity that will not be changed, and a God church that will not be moved. If we believe that, we'll live like that. Acts is getting ready to end, but guess what? The church is continuing the gospel's advancing through you and you and you and you and every believer here. Praise be to God. Let us go this week and put Jesus into perspective, proclaiming his goodness to all of creation without hesitation, without apology. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word, and I thank you for what seems like just such a simple passage and God, it's just such great encouragement of the promises. God, this, this world, it does throw so many things at us. Satan is, is after the souls of even your people. But God, you will not be thwarted. Your plan will not be stopped. You are saving sinners actively. And I pray that we would rest in that, that we would believe that. Not just in our heart, but in our actions and our deeds. Going out and believing it by action that, that you are saving people. And you are using us to proclaim and display your goodness and your grace and your glory. So God, I pray that you would just use us. God, I pray that you would move on our heart and remind us of that promise. You would show us areas where we need to repent for, for not living according to the promise. God, and we would make things right by going and living differently. That we would, re we would live this radically renewed life that we've been given in you and you alone. Father, would you lead us by your spirit this week? I pray for uh, those who are missing, God, that this, this word would ring true in their heart. For you are actively working and sanctifying your people. So remind them of the promises. Those who are sick, God, remind them of this promise. That they would be comforted by your spirit doing so. God, we pray for this week as we ought to be missionaries and ambassadors for Christ Jesus our Lord. 
making appeal for the gospel. God, would you, would you bless us this week? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing.